Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The uh, Tiger Cats won their 13th game of the season. They've never done that before, so this is a, a record-setting performance, although it didn't really start out looking that good. But uh, so much so that there were even whispers and rumblings about Grey Cup. Uh, not from team management. I talked to some of them, too, and they are cautiously optimistic, but they don't want to go down that road just yet. Uh, but they're one step closer to it. Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, and of course, columnist, uh, sports columnist with the Hamilton Spectator, uh, joins us to talk about this. The, the, Scott, f- first of all, thanks for joining us. So you voted today already, I trust. Three times. Good. <laughs> I have actually. No, not three times, but yes, I was uh, out first thing this morning. I was one of the first people in. I thought I'd beat the rush. And you know what? There, were, there was already a line at 9.30 this morning, so that's a good sign. Excellent stuff, yeah. And uh, people have till 9.30 tonight to do that. Uh, quite a time at the ballpark on Saturday. Uh, it started off a little rocky. Uh, Ottawa uh, seemed to be pinning them back just a little bit. But 13th win, these are pretty heady times for this football team. I, uh, you and I may have talked about this before, Bill, I'm not sure, but it, it is stunning to me that we're talking about a 13th win, and that's great, but that this has never happened before. I mean, this team has been around forever in one form. I mean, it, it was the Tigers, the Wildcats before 1950, but even so, I mean, the fact that this is a first, it, it, it's, it doesn't seem possible that this could be the best season ever, but it is. Well, I mean, to put that in, in perspective, too, in some of those early seasons, they only played a 14-game schedule. Uh, but uh, I was talking with uh, Mark Sazio, Ralph's uh, son, who sits just a couple of seats away from us. And even in Ralph Sazio's time, uh, I think 10 wins was pretty much average, 10-4, and four, something like that. I think once we got up to about 11 wins. But uh, to have 13, and, and let's face it, there's still a couple of games left, so, I mean, they could yep. do much better than that. I don't know how they're going to do in Montreal this weekend, but uh, against the Argos back here in the f- season finale, who knows what could happen. But does this does this put them that much closer to the Grey Cup? Because I'm, uh, I'm looking at what's going on in the league right now, and uh, I still think Hamilton's the best team in the league at this point, but the best team doesn't always make it to the Grey Cup. Well, uh, it was pointed out this weekend that twice before when the Ticats won 12 games, they lost in the Grey Cup both times. So maybe getting 13, maybe getting over the hump changes that trajectory. I'm not sure. But, no, it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you anything. But you're right, Bill. I mean, look, this is a, this is a year when there isn't a, another. You know, it, it's hard because we, we're looking at our own team here, and you kind of forget. I was going to say there's not a great team in the league. Uh, the Ticats may be that great team in the league, but out in the West, there's some good teams, but they're not great. I, I don't think anyone's going to look at Calgary and say they're the same team they were two or three years ago, or the, the Saskatchewan, the, the, the year that Hamilton went out there for the Grey Cup and lost. I, to me, this Grey Cup is right now is Hamilton's to lose, unquestionably. Well, and the, the team I'm thinking about, though, is the Alouettes. I mean, I know that you know they, they're way back in second place, but uh, they're playing much better football than they did at the beginning of the season, and it's not unusual. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think Hamilton's done it a couple of times where the second-place team can knock off the champs uh, in the Eastern Final. Golly, um, wasn't there a game at Tim Hortons Field a few years ago with Ottawa and a long pass that uh, right at the end of the game that sent Ottawa to the first Grey Cup? If I recall, that Ottawa was not in first place that year. So yes, of course it happens. Um, but there was a game but, at, at, at uh, Iverwind Stadium. And this is way back. I guess it's, uh, anyway. Tom Clements was the quarterback for the Tiger Cats, and they finished in first place. And they were heavily favored. And we were playing Ottawa at, at Iverwind Stadium for the Eastern Final. And uh, Pat Stokwa, who I, I don't know why I remember that name. He was number fourteen. And he caught a little screen pass and went about 100 yards for a touchdown. I think that was the only touchdown in the game. And, and Ottawa went to the Grey Cup that year. 
Uh, so, it, you know, it can happen. Just the fact that you're finishing first uh, doesn't necessarily punch your ticket to go to Calgary. But just before I, I get on that, i got to point out something. You just proved something that I've long believed, and that is the longer you have been a CFL fan, the different your inflection on different words is. <laughs> if you've been a Ticat fan long enough, they're the Tiger Cats, not the Tiger Cats. And if you've been a CFL fan long enough, it's the Grey Cup, not the Grey Cup. I'm just saying, what, you can always tell who's been a fan a long time based on the inflection on certain words. Um, yeah, it, there are lots of opportunities. Uh, not lots, I shouldn't say that. I, I mean, there's only the Ticats are going to play one game in the playoffs before they have to get to the Grey Cup. But there are lots of opportunities within that game to blow it. And again, we've seen that. We saw that with Ottawa a few years ago on that one play when Henry Burris through the long touchdown pass, and, and Hamilton should have been in that great cup. It, it is, there are chances for them not to go, but I just, I really find it hard to believe that this year, with the gap between Hamilton and Montreal, even though you're right, Montreal's playing better, I really find it hard to believe that they could not get there. I mean, it just, it, it, Bill, of all the years, going back to 99 with Ron Lancaster and Danny McManus and Morreale and Flutie and all those, Darren Flutie and all those guys. Going back to that point, I can't think of another year when you would, even if you weren't a gambler, say, I could feel comfortable putting some money down on this team thinking they are going to go there and not worry about it. it. This would be, in my mind, since 99 and probably before, the biggest upset ever for the Ticats, if they were not to make it. I'm not saying win, but not to make it to the Great Cup. It seems impossible that they wouldn't be there. Well, and what I encourage about here is that it's they're where they are right now, but not because of any lack of adversity. I mean, there have been some times along the way here where they could have said, well, that's it, the season's over, especially when their first-string quarterback went down and was out for the season. That's usually a death knell for any football team. And uh, I'm not suggesting that these guys, you know, Jeff Masoli had never been injured. They might still be in the in this situation that they're in. Uh, but there was a lot of, of nervousness and a lot of doubt about Dane Evans that when that whole thing happened, like, oh, man, we're stuck with this guy. He's got... Improved, he's improved, I think, each and every time out to the point right now where this guy's probably one of the best quarterbacks, at least statistically, in the league this year. And I go, we're going to go back to something that you, I know we've talked about before, and that is you don't want to ever lose your starting quarterback. That said, all nine teams in the league have this year. Every, every team has been without their starting quarterback for a long chunk of the season. Some of them have started to come back, but a lot of them not still. But the Ticats, the biggest blessing, the biggest bit of good fortune the Ticats had was that Mazzoli was hurt early in the year. And that gave Dane Evans lots of time to figure this game out, to get reps under center, to play games and make mistakes. And early on, Bill, I mean, Dane Evans is much better today than he was for the first three or four games that he played for the Ticats. Now, imagine for a second that Mazzoli had been injured in Week 14, and you're heading into the playoffs with the Dane Evans, who was playing his second or third or fourth game, suddenly we are now not talking about the Ticats being the overwhelming favorites to make it to the Grey Cup. We're saying, holy crap, is this a team that can survive having a quarterback that can't play the game right now? So they got a huge break of the timing of this. And if you need further proof, just look at Winnipeg. Winnipeg lost their quarterback much later in the year. They're struggling right now. They were the team that was Hamilton's equal and now they're looking like a team that may not win a playoff game this year. So that, that was, if you can find a silver lining 
that was it, that Evans has had this much time to figure things out and to improve his game. They're also, one of their best receivers, uh, you know, Luke Tasker's been out for quite some time. Uh, they miss him, but the the thing that that strikes me about this football team this year, Scott, is depth. Uh, when when one, you know, the old idea about next guy up and when somebody goes down, that next guy up has usually played pretty good football. To, uh, uh, and that's happened on the defensive line. It's happened in the defensive secondary. It certainly happened with the receiving core. Uh, we were going through running backs like like you go through old socks at one point uh, until they finally settled on a guy who's doing a pretty good job. Actually, two of them that are doing a pretty good job. But that was another thing. When Thomas Erlington went down early in the season after such a great start, we thought, oh, geez, where are we going to get a guy like that? Uh, the guys we're using right now are not like him, but they're certainly a effective runners for sure they, they've done a a good job and look orlando steinauer uh deserves credit for this he he has done a great job coaching this team and plugging pieces in and allowing this to continue on i mean there are coaches that don't have the same success despite the same obstacles there's a lot of coaches that don't have the same success and so you know look we we're, we're at a situation now where is there any is there any possibility that Orlando Steinauer doesn't win Coach of the Year? Well, maybe. Maybe it goes to Montreal because nobody had expected anything there. But I would say that Steinauer should be the guy. Um, is there any way that Brandon Banks is not in the discussion for most outstanding player? He has to be. He I has to be. I was, I, was talking, I was talking with our friend Steve Milton about that at the game on Saturday. Of course, I, we all saw Steve's piece in the spec on Saturday. Uh, how can Branks not be? He's got to be the Eastern nominee. But you look at it, well, he's got 101 catches this year. I mean, he's setting records to and from. He's arguably one of the most dangerous players in the league. I mean, anytime you give this guy the ball, it's a potential touchdown. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and I said, when I go back to Orlando Steinauer, you know, you don't want to um, diminish the work of other people. But boy, with what Steinauer has been able to do with these obstacles and with these hurdles that he's had to overcome really makes you appreciate what he's doing and really makes you look and go, okay, what does he see that Kent Austin didn't see? What does he see that June Jones didn't see? It's, it's like so... So many of the pieces are the same or even less valuable, and yet he's been able to figure this thing out, which, again, even though you've got talent, and so a lot of people would say when you talk about coach of the year, well, look, he's got a talented team. Sure he does. But there are other guys who have had talented teams that have not been able to make it work, and Steinauer has. So, so good for him. Full marks to him. Well, and the coaching staff, and, and that's Steinauer yeah, again, you know, bringing in Mark Washington and, and some other great guys and holding over a few of the old coaches from the June Jones regime, too, that have done pretty well. But uh, you're, you're right, there's, a, <clears throat> there's an attitude, and, and it's not a swagger, but there's an attitude and an air of confidence uh, when you talk to the guys, the coaching staff or the guys on the football team. Uh, and it kind of, I guess, what it does is validates the feeling that a lot of us have had over the last couple of years, even when he was back here working for Kent Austin as a defensive coordinator, that you got to give this guy a shot. For, as a head coach, uh, <clears throat> he finally got that shot this year, and now we're thinking, boy, if we'd done this a couple of years ago, how many great cups would we have won? I don't know. I don't think the pieces were there then, but he was certainly a major part in putting those pieces together for this year. Well, you know, look at so you got Ken Austin, and we all know that Ken Austin was a guy who on the sidelines because he got in trouble for it a few times. Ken Austin was a a lovely man off the field for sure, but on the sideline could be a bit of a simmering cauldron who was ready to explode at any time like his intensity level was exceedingly high june jones 
June Jones always looked like he was a guy who was kind of coaching on. I'm not saying this, that he wasn't taking it seriously. He was, but he had the reverse 180 degree different. He looked like he could be coaching with a lay around his neck in Hawaii still because he was having just a relaxed time. Stein hours right down the middle of that. And I think it's, it, he's found the balance of the, th- the good things about Ken Austin and the good things about June Jones. And he's managed to combine those. So you, the, the guys that need a kick in the pants, they can get a kick in the pants. And the guys that need to be pumped up and given a pat on the back, he's really good at that too. So again, I, 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 we all knew, I think, Bill, or we all expected, I think is a better way of saying it, that Steinauer was going to be a good head coach which is why there was so much interest in him around the league. A lot yeah, of people thought yeah. this, but he's, a, he's proven that, that those suspicions or those anti- expectancies were, were true. Okay, Coach uh, Radley, uh, they've got two games left, one in Montreal, which could, as you say, probably, well, it is going to be a precursor for the uh, the Eastern Final, except it's going to be the Eastern Final will be in Hamilton, but it's going to be the Alouettes and the Tiger Cats. Then a quote-unquote nothing game. Well, maybe, maybe. We- the Western team, the crossover, don't count out the Western team. There's a chance, but I think you're right, but... It's not a shoe-in that Montreal comes here. Anyway, continue. So. No, you're right. I mean, you know, you still have to play the game. But, I mean, it's probably going to be the Eskimos. And uh, they're looking pretty good right now. To And, again, they've got quarterbacking problems, so who knows. Yes. But how do you coach this team for these last two games? Do you sit down your quarterback? Do you, do you rest other guys? I know. I was told on Saturday Luke Tasker did not play Saturday. But I was told he could have if it had a game that mattered. But they just figured one extra week of rest is probably better for him at this stage. But do you start sitting guys down? And if you do that, do you have the the possibility that you lose your edge? If I well, if I'm coaching and I'm not, but if I was coaching this team, it would be this game against Montreal that I would rest guys if I was going to do it. I, I would play guys in the last game of the year to get them back and to make sure they have that game so they're not sitting too long. Plus, there's two other things here. Plus, if you are expecting that you may play Montreal in the first round of the playoffs, Montreal also is thinking they're coming to play. They may want to put a bit of a bruising on some of your players because if you know, I'm not saying be cheap shots. I'm not saying injure them. But I'm thinking even though this game is essentially meaningless, I'm not sure Montreal plays this game like it's meaningless. So this would be one that I would say, yeah, if we're going to rest a guy or two, this is the one. And third, I don't think you throw anything other than vanilla as far as the playbook at Montreal in this game because you don't want to show them anything more. I mean, they've got tape. They can see a lot of what you do. But don't give them a practice run against what you do on offense or defense. I I think you just... You pick out ten or fifteen plays that you're that every team runs, and you just run those plays. And if you lose the game, you lose the game. Big deal. This game matters not at all. But the, and then you go into Toronto and you play your starters for a while. And you make sure everyone's feeling pretty good. And then you go into the playoffs, hopefully feeling confident and hopefully feeling like everyone's clicking, and hopefully with a lot of healthy guys that now have had a week or two and are ready to go. It, you just, you know what, Bill, next year is the year the Ticats have to be great because they've got the home great cup. You, you have to be great next year for that one. But this year is the one you have a chance to be great. And they don't come along very often. It's been 20 years here. We know it doesn't come along very often. You can't let these chances slip by. You So you do whatever you have to do over the next two weeks to make sure that they are ready to play and you don't have one of those Ottawa situations again where all of a sudden you're at your home field and you're looking at the other team celebrating. You go, oh, man, how did that game slip away? Can't happen this year. 
Evans maybe plays what? Maybe the first quarter and then sits. Maybe uh, it, this week against Montreal. But yeah, I would think. I, again, I wouldn't. If it was me, I you don't have another option now because Masoli's out. I wouldn't play him very much this week. I'd give him most of the game next week, but I I, I, I wouldn't let him unless unless you think that him playing against Montreal is going to give him some intel that he's not otherwise going to have. But Montreal is not going to be doing anything different from Hamilton. They're not going to be showing everything they've got. So. I just don't see a whole lot of upside to playing him very much this week. Uh, because the, the, the one predictable thing about the Ticat offense this year is it's been unpredictable. Uh, you know, they've, they've thrown things at other teams, the Wildcat offense, that, which they haven't used for a couple of weeks, but right. for a period of time they were using that. The onside kick on Saturday caught everybody off guard and was successful. So I, I don't see any of that stuff against the or the, the Alouettes this coming weekend anyway. But you know they're there, and uh, you know that's that stuff they're going to probably pull out for the Eastern Final, too. It's exciting times. I mean, after so many years of, oh, boy, I wish, you know, what are we going to do about a quarterback? What are we going to do about this, with that? It just looks like all the pieces are together this year, and it's it's, it's it kind of gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, after 20 years, the five-year plan is working. There you go. <laughs> Scott Radley, you got, well, you, you're on tonight, just before the election, of course, uh, and then uh, Alex Pearson is going to take over, and, of course, you can read his fine prose in the sports pages of the Hamilton Spectator. Have a good evening, Scotty. Thanks, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.